back. Pulls up for three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. A warm welcome from me, Mark Woods, to the latest edition of the MVP Cast, brought to you in association with Total Environmental Compliance. Check out their fantastic consultancy services for lots of environmental issues and problems at tecompliance.co.uk. Now, our guest this time is one of our trailblazers, a pioneer, one of the, the very few British coaches to have taken a leap of faith into the, the world of US collegiate basketball. She's gone from Cheshire to the big atle, Jen Leadham. Welcome to the MVP cast. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, let's start out where you are just now. You're associate head coach at St. Francis College, which is in the uh, the beautiful Brooklyn, or borough of Brooklyn. Um, what's the state of, of the season is going going forward now in this, this wacky and wild world in which we inhabit? <laughs> yeah, um, currently we're in practice. Um, we moved to full official practice in our uh, traditional season next week um, we are we've been given the go-ahead by the NCA that games can start on the 25th of November but you know as everywhere in the rest of the world we're just we're being flexible we're being adaptable because things can change in us in an instant but we are currently preparing to start our season on November 25th. Hard to feel to me there are so many facets to your job but one that strikes me that's apart from obviously the practice that that's affected by COVID is is recruitment and obviously traveling is, is so difficult at the moment and, and, and there's no there's no games as such and how have you had to as a coaching staff had to amend things over the last six to nine months to um to kind of continue that recruiting process yeah um recruiting is probably it's been challenging i guess the last six months we've had to get a little creative zoom as i'm sure you know everybody's been on zoom and um showing like campus tours that way I you know I, I have to be honest I really feel for that the the 2020s who are incoming freshmen they missed a lot from senior prom senior playoffs um graduations and then even this 21 class we can't actually have official visits right now we're in a complete dead period and shutdown period with um having people on campus and we have been so you know I've been creative it's, it's always been about the relationships for us so um it's just that in-person kind of experience has been a little difficult to kind of bring them to Brooklyn and show them the big city and what our school has to offer but the the thing about it um right now is everybody's kind of in the same boat so you know what it there's no there's no unfair advantage we're all kind of going through it nobody can have anybody on campus so relationships is a, a big thing for us here in at Brooklyn and and we've just kind of persevered by being on the phones and and creating those relationships with people how big a recruiting tool is it to be in New York City? I mean, it's our biggest sell. Um, <laughs> we have, I mean, if you could see the pictures of the dorms that our girls, you know, where they live, it's right on the promenade and they have an unbelievable view of, of the New York City skyline. I think the apartments they live in, I don't think any, um, I guess, normal person could really afford. Um, they're, they're very blessed and, you know, I mean, New York City is our is our campus, and and it's a great experience, and it's it's create brings opportunities, and I think we have a, our girls are extremely grateful to to be here. 
Let's talk about this coaching and, and I guess playing journey, basketball journey that you've been all all the way from from Elmsmere Port to, to to the Big Apple. And coming in, I mean, you were obviously a very highly skilled player in your day. You were in you know, Great Britain squads and going through to to, to college at, at Franklin Pierce, which where you eventually coached, of course. And, Joe was on the podcast and give us her perspective on this this family business that you've all created. But where did the where did your particular love of basketball come from? Where was the where was that moment where ball was placed in hand and you thought this is the sport for me? Um, I think I don't I can't really pinpoint that exact moment to be honest with you. I think it's a an abundance of more of how that commodity and that opportunity that the sport creates. I think we had a lot of success early and it, we had an unbelievable group of girls that played um, during my time in that um, era that we started playing basketball. And it was just kind of, we got to go all over the country and then we were going to Spain and, and just that, that team sense of team was just different in basketball. And I was very, very fortunate for the girls we played with. We also went to school with. I was, it was playing with my best friends, and it was just, it was just like I just fell in love. And it was, I, I can't really pinpoint it. And to be honest with you, it's like kind of crazy. I can't really put it into words. It was just, it, it just felt right. How did it? How much did it help having? Joe, there. You were just, I think, it's a year younger than if I recall. I mean, you know, she she was talking. I mean, your parents are you know, incredibly passionate for for mm-hmm. basketball these days, and I, you know, I've had great times actually talking to them in in on foreign trips uh, abroad. But you know, it wasn't so much a basketball family. So, how much did you guys bounce off one another? Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing for us growing up, we've always been really competitive, and our parents have always taught us that whatever you do, um, do your best. And to have, uh, we, I mean, we all played together. So to kind of go and have someone to always shoot and practice and rebound with, and it's, it definitely made it more enjoyable. And uh, yeah, we were just like happy for each other. And I guess too, as a little like sibling rivalry and competitiveness that goes along with that too. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. I've been just so lucky for that and to have both of them be a massive part of basketball and I think what's the coolest thing is we've all gone our separate ways and done our own separate journey during this like kind of sport and it's allowed us to see the world and have amazing opportunities. Because I mean you say we and we talk about you and we talk about Joe but we we disgracefully often overlook your other sister Kirsty who's a very formidable coach currently in her own right played basketball at a high level. I mean when you were younger I mean how did you guys compare against one another? Was there, did, did you consider yourself top dog at any point? Was it Joe? Was it Kirsty? How much was that sort of pushing against one another in place? Um, I think we're all really different. And I think we've all been able to, find, I mean, obviously everybody wants to be the best shooter. Everybody wants to be the fittest <laughs> and win the races. Like that's like just a, a natural given. I think if you don't have that competitive edge, you don't really like that's bigger than basketball for me. That's something that's important in life um, to challenge yourself. But um, I think the best thing is we were all in separate age groups and we all just want the best for one another. So it's kind of, we're, we're super close. Um, we talk every day. We see each other often over here and, it's definitely been a big part of, you know, when you're growing up and we're all doing different things, that was definitely something that 
during that time of 14 to 18 that we really um, kind of became close. And it was like a, a real serious sisterhood where, you know, we're best friends. Like you, you can't choose your sisters, but we are definitely best friends and we've helped each other along the way. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some competitiveness. Kirsty will, will compete with Joe. I, you know, I, I think I'm better than Joe. And, and I, <laughs> I think I shared my college experience with Joe. Like we'll joke around and say those things, but at the end of the day, it's all, it's all love and, and we want the best for one another. <laughs> Did team lead him ever play in a three on three tournament? No. <laughs> there's a missed opportunity. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> Commonwealth Games coming up. You know, you get yourself out of retirement, international three and three chance. I mean, that's 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 the team we're all waiting to see. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, I think we're too old for that now. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never. And um, I mean, you went to the states, and you know, we mentioned Franklin Pierce. I mean, such a, a big focal point for you, for for Joe subsequently as well. But it is a Division Two school. And you mm-hmm. know, people here understand the concept of, of D1 basketball. They possibly understand a little bit about D3 in terms of its its smaller schools and further down the food chain. But they're, they're, I guess culturally wise, when we think about it in Europe, and I don't know if it's the same in the States as well, but it, there is a, a sort of snobbishness against it. It's seen as, you know, a, as not a desirable option. How did you evaluate going to a, a D2 school coming out of this country? Um, I'll be honest, I was over here in prep school and I've never been, I mean, if you saw where we played in Ellesmere Port and it's not bright lights, it's not big. I mean, they have a wonderful arena in Ellesmere Port now, but we played in the youth center, which was like concrete floors going in after the football players had played and it, you know, it wasn't bright lights. So that wasn't something that was important to me. It was for me, it was the right fit. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't, you know, with social media now, it's very different. Um, people see things. Um, and have expectations I just went in and was so grateful to have an opportunity to be a part of a team and the biggest thing for me personally making a decision was I wanted to go somewhere where I'd be able to impact and I'll be able to play right away um, and that's how Franklin Pierce came about and it was it was the right fit and I'm so grateful for it. What was your sales pitch I mean, subsequently being an assistant and then and obviously a head coach but what was your sales pitch to people that were like, mm, D2, what's that? Honestly, the sales pitch is come and win a championship. Mm. You know, unless you're playing in that Power 5, UConn, South Carolina, Notre Dame, Mississippi State, unless you're at one of those schools, are you really going to compete for a championship in women's basketball? I mean, and don't get me wrong, I love coaching Division One. Um, but my sales pitch at Division Two was, you know, we, we were competing every year for, for NCAs and a, and a championship. And, you know, you have to you have to focus on what you have and and sell. And that's the beauty of recruiting. And every school is different. But, you know, for me and my experience, I mean, my senior year, we played in a, in a national championship. We won two region, three regional titles in a row. Um, and it was it was it's a great, you know, for me, I'm competitive. I want to win and to just kind of go into that first round and not play was was a was you know was it's tough so we wanted to sell like winning and and uh, that's kind of what we sold and then we had the experience of kind of the culture of winning and being competitive so yeah I loved my time at Franklin Pierce and I'm really grateful for it definitely shaped me into who I am today and still keep in touch with all those players and and it was definitely the right decision for me and and that's you know that's ultimately for me in these decisions of people coming to the states is it, everybody's decision is different and everybody's wants and needs are different and you have to do what feels right for you describe the extra joy that was added to that experience though by being able to play 
I think for three years with your your sister and your chief running mate. Yeah, I mean, Jo's the best. She's so competitive. She's so talented. She works so hard. She's the she's the epitome of a a true teammate. And then you add in her talent and how, and she's she's a superstar without knowing she's a superstar. So she was, you know, it was it was great. My parents were there. They were super supportive and. Um, that run that we had at Franklin Pierce is something that, you know, will stay true to my heart and be an unbelievable once in a lifetime experience. You flipped straight into coaching after playing yeah. at, at college. And obviously that puts you in a quite a unique position. First year, Joe's in senior year. So you become sister, teammate, but then coach. What what's that transition like? Is it you know is it was it smooth or was it a learning experience? Um, a bit of both. Um, Joanna's always. I mean, I'm her big sister, so it's different. You know, we've <laughs> always she has a lot of respect. Um, I think my biggest thing for me personally is I've always worked hard, and I think Joe has a lot of respect for people like that. Um, I know. I could tell you multiple stories. Like I'm the one person that can kind of get to Joanna and tell her or be real with her. I think she values my opinion. And that that's something that developed over time. You know, we played together for four years. We played together at home for a little bit. And she's um, she's she's easy to coach. She made it easy. You know, when you have a common goal of wanting to win and, and that team we had that year was just so talented and so bought into wanting to be successful that, to be honest with you, it was a dream to coach. I was very fortunate. I went into my first year of coaching and coaching a team that went to the Division Two Final Four and was 32-2 and two and number one in the country for like 12 weeks or something with the player of the year on the team. So, I mean, I can't really complain too much. Uh, I was very, very fortunate. And Kirsty is... A high school coach in, in in Connecticut, so you're all you're all stateside based now, and you know Joe is taking little baby steps towards coaching you too. Do you what's the knowledge sharing or the knowledge transfer that you've been able to to pass on to one another in in that particular scenario? Um, yeah, it's been um, it's been interesting because we're all very um strong um strong opinionated people I guess and we were brought up that way to to have you know to have an opinion and to be confident in ourselves and to speak up and we do see things very differently from you know we're all at different levels Joe's had experience playing in Europe Kirsty's been very successful at the high school level um and then obviously my experience at the college level so it's kind of cool and can get a little heated sometimes with our discussions but um it's definitely uh, a major advantage to just sit and bounce off ideas or opinions or thoughts, even, you know, with the NBA or from all levels. And that passion and drive of basketball is so big in our family that like, it's, it's, you know, we'll be at Christmas dinner watching the NBA and everybody has an opinion. Do you like LeBron? Do you not like LeBron? Like what, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big part of, of who we are. And um, I'm really grateful for that because it's definitely made me a better coach. I mean, I always, having had the, the pleasure and, and the, the great fortune to, to, to chronicle a lot of Joe's career, and what always strikes me is the intelligence that she's got, that basketball IQ and, and the commitment, whether it's in practice, whether it's in games, you know, and everything that she does. Are, are you of the same opinion, knowing her better than all of us do, that 
she will one day be a formidable coach. Yeah, Joanna is um, Joanna's special. She doesn't um, realize truthfully what she's really done to the level of her success. I think she's extremely humble and at times that like hurts her, but I think she doesn't know how much she can empower a room and just for a coach to even have that ability. And then you add in, like you say, the passion, the basketball IQ, the dedication, that that and knowing how to connect with younger uh, boys, girls, whatever it is, um, is massive. And I think she has a really bright future. I think, to be honest with you, whatever Joe chooses to do, just the way she is as a person, she's got a, a huge, huge, like, it, there's something bigger than, uh, ahead of for her. She's done an unbelievable thing with her basketball career, but she's just getting started. And I don't think she quite knows how impactful she can be to people just yet. But I'm really excited to be on this journey and watch her grow. I mean, I mean in, the, in the realms of young people, I mean, last, last summer you were due to be Great Britain's under 16 head coach. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems a very obvious staging post for a British coach who is learnt and accomplished so much why did it take so long for you to get in the national program uh to be honest with you I never put my name forward (laughs) I'm a very um and and that's you know that's bad on my part too uh you know everybody has opinions British basketball is really interesting for me because I think we have extremely talented people and extremely passionate people involved I think the amount of time that a lot of people give to the sport is is remarkable um, I think we have some some great players that have come out of our country, um, men and women. And I think for me, I'm a two feet in type of person. I can't, I can't, I cannot do something where I'm not all in. And just given the way things have worked with my calendar in regards to recruiting over here and, and my movement and stuff, it just, I didn't feel it was fair for me to ever even put my name forward to get involved. Um, but this, you know, it just felt right this time and, and some things, I've had some conversations with the lady that I work for, um, and it just, this is the right time. And I'm really, really excited to be involved. Was there any part of it in, in, in the past and, and other coaches have said this to me as well, that, you know, you've got a full-time job, that's your focus, it's your career job, etc. You look at British basketball and there's an uncertainty level about what you would find if you pitched in with it, whether it's organization, whether it's the setup in terms of players or anything else around the team. Was that ever something that filtered into your mind that if I come, this might not be the experience that I would wish? No, um, I don't really think like that, to be honest. I think I'm more of a solution-based person. Um, I want to help. I want to be involved. Can we focus on things that we don't have? Yeah, absolutely. Can we focus on what our struggles will be? Absolutely. But what can we do? Where are we going? And I think the people that we have involved, I mean, the people that I've spoken to just over this pandemic and their passion and their involvement and what people really do to help grow British basketball is so inspiring to me so it's kind of been eye-opening and I'm grateful for the conversations that I've had and and I want to be a part of it and I'm, I'm really excited to move forward and hopefully you know if we can have it's tough because you want to be real but you want to be positive and where's that fine line but the reality is with the talent that we have I think we can just find a way and and as long as we can say we tried for me or at least we give it our all that's all you can really do. 
you went in 2016 through a, I don't know you call it a rough period, but certainly a traumatic period with visa issues. Because it's, you know, it, it looks straightforward. You have a job there, you have a contract, everything should be fine. You've been there for quite some time. But it, it became, from what I have read, a particularly problematic period for you to stay in America at one point. Um, yeah, it was challenging for sure. Can you talk us through what what happened for those who don't kind of understand the visa process? Um, yeah, this is kind of a difficult question because I don't want to be, I don't want to speak negatively about mm. anybody because that's not in my personality. But to be surface, it was just, immigration is very challenging in regards to checking boxes and the position that I was in wasn't checking those boxes so it was becoming a little difficult so I had to make a tough decision whether I wanted to continue upon a path that possibly could put me in a riskier situation or take a different direction and I I, I made the, the choice to take a different direction so and was that's that... kind of all I really want to speak on that, to be honest, because it's uh, it's immigration is a little challenging. <laughs> was was there a fear though? Because obviously you you spent a decade putting this you know American dream in a, a sense together, and there must have been an incredible fear that oh, overnight almost this could all evaporate. Um. See, for me, it wasn't an overnight thing. It was definitely over a long period of time. Mm. So I think from a surface, from an outside looking in, it looked like it could have been an overnight mm. thing, but it was definitely something that went on over a long period of time. And um, I think the, the best thing for me and my upbringing is we've always been told once you make a decision, be confident in your decision and just own your decision. So, um, you know, when when the season was over, I was faced with a couple of challenges and I, I relied and, and weighed in heavily with, with the people who are important to me, my family, and, and we made the decision. And I, I'm really I'm really grateful that I did, and here I am today. So, yeah, I just try to look forward now. What's, what's it like going from being a head coach to being assistant coach? Is, it, is there a mental adjustment or, you know, or what's, what's the, the poser that, that that gives you? Yeah, it's definitely challenging, but it's also really rewarding at the same time. Um, it's challenging because, you know, I've had this extremely, I, I know I have a dominant personality and I also mm -hmm. have, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very confident in my opinions. And when you're the head coach, you can kind of operate how you want. It's your program. Um, so to kind of move to a, an assistant role, um, I've worked for two two people who are, I've had a prior relationship, friendship with, and they've been extreme, you know, we've had conversations before I, I went into that assistant role and I've been very lucky that I was allowed to um, kind of like be that comfortable with who I was and kind of, it didn't really change too much. Um, but, you know, you it's, it's, it's rewarding because you're allowed to see things from other people's um, perspective and I think it's made me a better coach being an assistant uh, you see you see things from a different perspective uh, division one's obviously a different level to division two you're working with more people so yeah it's had its challenges but I think for me being an assistant at this level I've grown a lot I've learned a lot about myself about people about things that are important to me and and I think you know that's what the life you know what the the journey of life is about because firstly you went to Wagner 
and then mm -hmm. in Francis and as a, as assistant roles or associate head coaches as you are now. How, how important is it for you and other assistant coaches, you know, the, the relationship with what their head coaches expect from them varies from, from, from place to place, but how important was it to you to be able to, to challenge, to offer you know, frank opinions, obviously head coach is the, the final arbiter and takes the final decision, but how important do you think for your development is to be free to challenge as opposed to just being there and, and, and accepting and just merely being supportive? Um, I think it comes with knowing your role. I think within staffs, I think everybody has specific roles and I think starring in your role is really important as the same thing we say to our, to our girls on the court. But I also think it's about delivery, you know, and everything in life, like, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, I've sometimes learned that the hard way from a young age. Um, I've typically been a no filter type of person. Um, and it's also situational, you know, you can't, you know, from whether it's in a game and a timeout, do you be direct? Do you worry about things that aren't, you know, to Captain Obvious, well, we're not rebounding. Okay, we know we're not rebounding. Should we make a sub? Like, like back to that solution-based type of thing. And I think it's all, you know, it's different every time and it's learning those people and it's being open to who you're working with and, and having uncomfortable conversations in all areas. And, and and I've been fortunate to work with people who are, who give me the time and, and encourage me to do that. And, and I'm very grateful for that. How much is there a sorority or general for fraternity amongst college coaches? Because, you know, you obviously you all want to win, you all want to beat each other. There's competition for jobs and, you know, at various points in time. But is there a kind of sisterhood there, particularly amongst female coaches, to to see each other progress and, you know, and advance? Yeah, I think I, I like, the, the, I don't know, really, the environment over here in college basketball and then even just the Final Four and everybody getting together is such a unique experience from anything else I've ever seen. Everybody is so willing to share and, and so, you know, we're all doing the same thing and it's a rat race and everybody's trying to get the best players and everybody's trying to get win games and it is competitive, but when it all is said and done and we have that time to, to communicate and to talk and to learn and to grow and to share things, everybody is so forthcoming and willing. It's, it's really a cool thing to be a part of and I'm really um you know it's kind of sad because we didn't have a final four this year so it's <laughs> like those relationships and those people you see once a year and you catch up with or twice a year or you see them on the road recruiting we haven't had that and I'm to be honest with you I've kind of missed that it's been challenging because we've been on the phone and we've been able to talk to, to one another and different people but it's yeah it's it's a you know that they're, they're the people these coaches over here or us coaches in college over here we all go through the same experience we're all in this kind of realm of competitive sports and and they they can relate you know you go home and you can talk about certain things but if you're not living it you don't really know what it's like and it's definitely I don't know if I would use the word sisterhood but it's definitely you you have binding relationships and friendships that last a lifetime and it's a really awesome thing a few things that you know, that have been more I guess prominent in the world of sports in recent times than social the call for social change and, and, and racial justice in, in America that we've seen over the last six months and, and well beyond that. Mm -hmm. 
you're coming in and you know to America. You just you've been there a long time. You, I think you've acquired somewhat of an accent uh, alongside that by now. But um, you know, you're you are still a a foreign coach with different perspectives. You're a white coach with different mm-hmm. cultural perspectives. How have you, I guess, been able to negotiate that in terms of being an ally, understanding the situation, maybe learning, but also maybe coming at that from you know a different viewpoint than maybe an American coach would? I mean, I, I think, uh, well, first of all, I think for me to say, if I'm like, oh, I'm not from America, so I don't like, it's different in the UK, I think is a little ignorant. I think racism happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think, you know, you're a product of your environment. I think it's my responsibility to continue to lead by example and be an ally for the social, um, to, to for equality and, and to stand up against the social injustice. And, you know, I have a lot of players or teammates or whatever it is that, you know, are, are of, are black or from different different cultures, different di- di- diversities, and and it's super important for me to bring awareness to this to this matter. And I think it's important that we continue to educate ourselves as white people, um, because we can't understand what it's like to be oppressed. And I think that's the first le- place where people go wrong is they try to understand, and we can't understand. We need to be open minded, and we need to to learn and we can't be so ignorant to think that this isn't happening. Um, so it's definitely been challenged. It's, you know, it's, it's sad. It's very, it's very sad to me um, that people can't see what the issues are, but I think it's really important. If you want to, ch- if we want change, we have to be a part of the change and we have to stand up and we have to, you know, hold people accountable. Do, do you think, I mean, Obviously, we've seen the NBA and we've seen the WNBA and the very mm-hmm. powerful social messages and the roles that players t- have taken in that. But also coaches as well have been really prominent in making sure that their voice is used in a positive manner in that. Do you, do you, do you think that's one of the situations where coaches have not just even a responsibility, but a great power to help make a difference? Um, I think what the NBA and the WNBA have done in the bubble and the bubble have been phenomenal. And I think um, other sports should follow their lead. I think especially the WNBA, they're always first to stand up and, and speak out. And, and yeah, I think we I think we do have a responsibility and I think it's important to encourage conversations and empower um, people to, to speak out about things that they're passionately about in this area and 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 show that we support our our black student athletes. Um, and I think it is about speaking out. I think what the the NBA coaches, I mean, the WNBA has been phenomenal. Um, and if if we could all follow their lead, I think the world would be in a much better place. To be honest. Last couple of things. This job, I mean, it's I'm sure it's fun and it's the dream job for a lot of people. But what's what's the toughest part about? being a college coach give us a little insight maybe it's mentally whether it's the the day-to-day what's what is the tough part for this for you um the toughest part is it's a really good question the toughest part is not putting the pressure on yourself 
to be perfect and in times of challenge seeing the bigger picture I mean it's funny because you you want to win you want to win but ultimately for me it's bigger than basketball it's you get to impact and people ask me this all the time like why do you coach you get to impact people's lives beyond the game of basketball but the game of basketball brings you together and to be able to look back and see players that have gotten married or have kids like and, and you're still in contact with them. That's what it's about. But in that moment of, if you're having a bad season, you know, everything doesn't go great. Um, injuries happen. It's remaining positive during those times and finding ways to keep everybody happy because that is the challenge. And yeah, I don't know. It's a really good question because it's, it's different from year to year for me, to be quite honest. It depends on the group that you have. What's the most fun thing? I mean, I coach basketball every day. I wake <laughs> up and I love to go to work. Like, I don't ever wake up like, ugh, I have to go to work. Like, I watch film. I watch people play basketball. I impact people and I coach them. And then off of, off of that, just to see, you know, 18 to 22 is like where people have major growth in their lives. They find out who they are and, and to be a part of that and like impact and, and see them really find out who they are are like that that is it for me like i i love that so and you've got the new york city skyline to look at i mean yeah that helps <laughs> <laughs> life is not bad <laughs> no i'm so fortunate yeah jen jen um continued success over in nyc hopefully you get back to playing very very soon and um yeah i'm sure team lead them and it's all its various forms there's uh, plenty more chapters of the story to write but thank mm-hmm. you for joining us yeah thank you so much that is it for this edition of the MVP cast brought to you with our nice sponsors at Total Environmental Compliance. Search for them on Google or give them a follow on social media at T Compliance Limited. You can get all our previous editions of our MVP247.com or subscribe via your preferred podcast provider. Don't forget, you can also get us now on Amazon podcast as well or on YouTube and wherever you get yours. Please do leave us a review. It really helps and ideally a nice one as well. If you want to get in touch with me, reach out via Twitter at Mark Britball. But another edition of the MVP cast coming very soon. For me, Mark Woods, thanks so much for listening, and it's goodbye for now.